Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you had a good weekend. So, how are your brackets looking? Wow, what a... What an NCAA tournament of upsets, that's for sure. I've got a feeling that a lot of a lot of those brackets have been busted to pieces. Anyone that comes out of this with a winner, they were very smart or very, very lucky. We'll see how it all turns out. Busy day today as we kick off the week. We're going to talk uh, news with Chaser's chaser with spencer chase from uh, washington dc and agripulse here in just a moment big week it's national agriculture week a lot of things going on we'll talk with spencer about some of those activities we're going to take a look at the weather with mike palmerino with dtn some places got some much needed moisture other places still very dry and got a mixed bag across the country we'll get the very latest and when is it going to warm up in some places thinking about planting here before long kurt blades with the american Equipment Manufacturers is going to join us. AEM has uh, released their February Ag Tractor and Combine reports and eh, some fairly encouraging news for right now. Still a little early to be uh, projecting for the year, but still the um, Association of Equipment Manufacturers is um, giving us their thoughts on where we're standing right now in equipment sales and what impact could the tariffs on steel and aluminum have on equipment sales. So we'll talk with uh, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers a little bit later on. And also, what's the very latest on the RFS? Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, will join us on today's program as well. But as I mentioned, we have a report from Washington, D.C., so let's check in right now with our good friend Spencer Chase with AgriPulse. Spencer, how, how's your bracket looking? I tell you what, Mike, I actually uh, I take the approach of just never filling a bracket out, so then when a 16 seed beats a 1 seed, I can just sit back <laughs> and enjoy it. That's, uh, it's, it's the way to go, in my opinion. I'm the same way. I, uh, I can just sit back and, and not uh, be pulling my hair out when someone pulls that big upset because it ruined my whole uh, bracket. So I'm with you on that one. Hey, it's a big, big week, Ag Week in Washington, D.C. What's going to be going on? So probably one of the one of the highlighting events uh, administration-wise for Ag Week is going to be when Vice President Mike Pence heads to the Department of Agriculture tomorrow. He's going to talk about uh, President Trump's Ag Day proclamation uh, Tuesday, of course, being being Ag Day, as well as uh, Vice President Pence expected to deliver remarks at uh, at USDA, where he'll be joined by, of course, uh, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue. And then, of course, uh, for for us here at AgriPulse, the the big event this week is going to be our Ag and Food Policy Summit on Wednesday going to be a, a day packed of uh, trade and regulatory and all kinds of other conversations. Uh, we're going to have a, a number of good speakers, including Ray Starling from the White House, uh, Ted McKinney from USDA, as well as Greg Dowd, uh, the new ag negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative, who's going to be making his, uh, what we believe is his, uh, his first public appearance as, as, as a USTR employee. So a lot of good things coming out of that, a lot of good conversation that we're expecting to be having on Wednesday. Yeah, you have a great lineup set up for Wednesday, that's for sure. Okay, let's look at some of the other news stories this week. Uh, budget talks. Everyone will be looking to see if Congress can uh, get something done by Friday. Right, because as things sit right now, uh, if, if lawmakers are not able to pass some kind of an omnibus uh, bill by Friday, uh, looking at either another government shutdown or uh, the need to pass a continuing resolution. And keep in mind, Congress is going to be out of town here for the next two weeks. They always, uh, or I guess this year, they're taking the week before and the week after Easter off. And so they're going to be taking two weeks off, so any kind of continuing resolution would obviously need to last for at least three. But uh, the goal is, obviously, for them to pass an omnibus bill uh, to fund the government for the rest of the fiscal year. And for agriculture, that means uh, potentially a fix to the Section 199A issue uh, that was in the last tax bill. Uh, there, uh, There is a deal worked out, but right now they're trying to overcome some Democratic objections to that deal. Uh, Senator, Senator John Thune from South Dakota tells us that he's pretty optimistic that they would have the votes on the measure in the, on the floor, but it's just a matter of ginning up the necessary supports and, uh, and getting all the politics worked out at this point. We're talking with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse. Uh, Spencer, we've been keeping a close watch on this farm bill situation. We know there's an impasse. Uh, we know primarily about uh, the nutrition title, food stamps in particular, between Republicans and Democrats. But what are you hearing? Are there some other differences that uh, are causing this delay? Uh, the delay is primarily based on nutrition at this point. 
there's just a number of things. Obviously, whenever you're dealing with something like a farm bill, there's going to be a lot of differences on both sides of the aisle. Uh, one, one that jumps to mind uh, right away is conservation. Obviously, that's a big issue for uh, House Ranking Member Colin Peterson. But this is primarily a nutrition issue that's slowing down the farm bill at this point. They're really trying to hammer out some kind of an agreement that would enable the bill to proceed. But uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Keep in mind, for, for Democrats that are looking at potentially picking up seats, it's a very politically risky thing to do for them to agree to, to, to cuts to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program when they could potentially either pick up seats or pick up a whole chamber after the November midterms and uh, be able to write a farm bill that might be a little bit more favorable to their base. So what are you hearing as far as how long this delay could be? Uh, I, I always think it's a bad sign if they're having trouble getting it out of committee. That should be the easier part. I mean, I always expect a tough floor battle, but when it's tough to get it out of committee, uh, to me that kind of waves a red flag. Well, we're not getting a ton of intelligence in terms of how long the delay could last. But keep in mind, the current law expires at the end of September. And in the month of September, there, it's almost a virtual uncertain. It's, it's almost a virtual certainty, excuse me, that they will not be voting on a five-year farm bill during the month of September. What they would be voting on at that point is an extension. And so then you work back. They're out of town all August. In the month of July, they're going to be trying to uh, meet, meet some looming deadlines there, as well as pass appropriations bills. So really, if they're going to pass a full five-year farm bill this year, it really needs to be done in that June to July time frame. And with that in mind, that means the committees really need to start acting here in April or May. And they're really, really running out of time to start doing that. It really is a tight time schedule, although we have seen in the past when if they decide to really get something done, it's amazing how quickly all of a sudden they can get done. But uh, at this pace, it's going to really be pushing it to get it done in time. Right. And there, I think, uh, as we've discussed, the main issue that they, that they have to work out before they can go through the typical committee action is this nutrition issue. Otherwise, I think, uh, from what we're hearing, the bill seems virtually ready to drop. Uh, I think it was ready to do that uh, a couple weeks ago until these Democratic objections were raised. And keep in mind, we were expecting potential markup of a farm bill to happen this week. That's obviously not going to happen. But I think once, once impasses uh, are resolved, I think there's a good chance they can move. It's just a matter of when that will actually happen. Well, it all comes uh, during this National Agriculture Week when the focus in our nation's capital will uh, be a brighter spotlight on agriculture. Hopefully that will help uh, get some things moving along. Uh, again, good luck with your events this week, Spencer. It's going to be a fun week, I know, for you, a busy week. So we look forward to hearing uh, some of the comments from your speakers this week. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate you having me, Mike. All right, Spencer Chase with AgriPulse. Yeah, it's National Agriculture Week, big activities, National Agriculture Day tomorrow, big program in Washington, D.C., and, of course, activities all across the country as we highlight uh, American agriculture and thank those uh, that every day produce the food, fuel, and fiber that we so much depend on and, unfortunately, too many times take for granted. So we want to uh, thank all of you who are involved in providing us with the uh, what we need every day. And um, we say this often, but every day should be Agriculture Day, but at least we're going to focus on it tomorrow around the country. We do it every day right here on Adams on Agriculture. Much of that has to do with weather some weather concerns remain around the country. Mike Palmerino, DTN meteorologist, will join us next. Give us a look at the weather the week ahead and for the next few weeks ahead, not only here but also South America. So stay with us. This is AOA, Adams on Agriculture. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready, carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until the same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled-release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen? That's a given. Responsive nitrogen? That's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. 
the mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Each uh, week, each uh, Monday, we take a look at the uh, weather picture for the uh, week ahead and for the next few weeks ahead, especially this time of year as we get to spring planting time and also what's going on in South America as well. Uh, Mike Pomerino, DTN meteorologist, joins us this week sitting in for Bryce Anderson. Mike, good to talk with you again. Hey, same here, Mike. Let's look around the country. We've got places that did get some moisture that needed it. A lot of places looking for some warmer weather and still looking. Uh, what do you see uh, this week ahead? Well, I think the areas that are looking for warmer, drier weather are really not going to see that. We're, we're really looking at a deteriorating weather pattern as it concerns uh, uh, spring field work uh, throughout the Midwest and uh, on down into the Deep South, this pattern is just screaming right now, uh, cool and wet, and uh, things are going to get worse before they get better. So we're going to see another round of, uh, you know, like we've seen so many springs uh, in the last few years, uh, just really uh, not favorable early planting conditions. Yeah, it looks like uh, March planting for some, uh, probably not in the cards this year. All right. Let's look at some areas that have been very, very dry. We know that some areas did get a little bit of moisture over the weekend to help things out. They did. Uh, we're looking at the uh, southern plains, the hard red winter wheat belt. Uh, the, the winter was really central Kansas. They picked up about a half inch to one and a half inches of rain uh, in some of those big winter wheat areas of central Kansas. But you go outside of there, you start heading back to the west and the western Kansas and southward down into uh, Oklahoma and uh, and Texas, West Texas, they're still very dry. And uh, at this point, the storms are moving so quickly, Mike, that I, I don't see any real follow-on moisture uh, coming in there over the next week to 10 days. And uh, temperatures at times could get very warm. We're talking readings at times uh, this week potentially getting up into the 80s uh, ahead of these dry cold fronts. So, you know, that wheat crop's in, in tough shape down there, and I don't think this is enough uh, uh, to really uh, turn the corner and, and really improve that situation much at all. Just an interesting map, Mike. I mean, that, that part of the country where it's hot and dry, you just talked about the Midwest where it's uh, cool and wet, and you got the, the winter storms in the Northeast. I mean, you just got these extremes in these various sections of the country right now. We do, and, you know, it's really all tied into uh, 
what we call blocking, and that is uh, large amounts of high pressure that have built across eastern Canada and Greenland. And what that has essentially done is taken the storm track, which would normally be up across uh, northeast Canada, you know, affecting, uh, uh, you know, the maritime provinces, and just shoved it right down into uh, the central and eastern part of the country. And, and that's the reason why we're seeing these, uh, you know, major northeast storms over here. And, and that's going to be the reason why we're going to continue to see a, uh, uh, you know, a deteriorating situation for planting uh, in the nation's midsection. The only missing ingredient here, as we said, is that because the jet stream's so strong, the systems are moving so quickly that you can't really get that Gulf moisture to tuck back in to the southwestern plains. And, you know, that's really where we stand right now. And I don't see that changing much at all uh, going into uh, the first part of April. I was going to ask, when could we see a breakthrough for the Midwest for planting season? April? I would say right now, uh, you know, and I'm just throwing this out because I think things are going to get worse before they get better. You know, I wouldn't be looking at any significant changes until maybe the latter half of April. Really? That long? Yep. Ooh. I was thinking first of April. You're thinking it could be the last part of April. It, it could very well be. You know, this is something, this is not unusual. We have seen this uh uh, you know, if, if you look at the last few springs, you know, since uh, uh, 2012, really, uh, they have been on the cool and wet side. So, you know, this is sort of keeping with the overall regimes we have been in. And, you know, it's concerning early on, but ultimately, you know, you're going to have great soil moisture going forward. And, you know, you may not have a lot of heat as you get into critical reproductive stages of crops. So, you know, even though it's concerning right now, Mike, I think if you look beyond this, it, it could be a, a mm-hmm. very good growing season. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Uh, Mike, does any of this have to do with the the end of La Nina, or where do we stand with that? The La Nina is fading away, and I think the uh, the the biggest impact of that right now has been the turnaround in the dry pattern in California. We have seen a... Uh, significant increase in moisture they're going to get some more very beneficial moisture there this week so that is that's providing some of the mechanism in terms of the storminess coming in off the pacific which ultimately enhances the the moisture flow in uh, the central part of the country so i would say that the demise of la nina is enhancing the wet patterns right now um, but on the other side of the coin, you know, the La Nina has been very significant uh, in terms of its impact down in South America in, in terms of a, you know, major drought, probably one of the more significant droughts they've had in uh, many years in Argentina. And uh, that drought still seems to be holding on. They, they did have a little bit of uh, beneficial rain in, in about you know, 25% of their bean acreage uh, over the uh, weekend, but much of the area missed the rain, and it looks like going forward they're going to stay quite dry. Meanwhile, it's been very wet in central Brazil, which is just outstanding for their second crop corn, which is going in the ground and is planted and has just uh, incredible moisture with no sign of the rainy season ending up there. So it's kind of a mixed bag right now, Mike. We see the impact of the diminishing La Nina in the U.S., but we have yet to see it really uh, in South America. Mike, what is expected to follow La Nina? Uh, Probably just ENSO neutral at this point, which means, you know, neither La Nina or El Nino. So then we just look at the overall weather patterns, and when you look at the overall weather patterns, you have to look at that impact of what we were discussing, blocking, and the ability to generate high pressure in the high latitudes. That seems to be a very prevalent feature here going forward. And as long as that's in place, um, you're not going to be seeing a lot of hot, dry weather anytime soon in the uh, heart of the Midwest corn and bean belt. It's going to be just the opposite. It's going to be cool and wet. Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing the lack of sunshine for much of the Midwest. Yeah, you know, at this time of the year, you should be seeing more sun. But, uh, you know, with, with this clashing of the air masses, you know, you being right in the middle of cool air to the north and 
warm air to the south, uh, that's going to create an, an awful lot of cloudiness as well. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's not a great situation, but, you know, I think it, the, if you were looking at the opposite situation right now where everything was open and sunny and dry, that would be much more concerning from a drought perspective going forward. So this pattern is just the opposite in that it doesn't raise drought concerns at all. As a matter of fact, the areas that are dry right now, basically Kansas southward, are likely not going to get any drier going forward. And, you know, we're not looking for that dryness to expand into the Corn Belt. We're looking for it to shrink further back to the southwest uh, over the next month or so. That's good. You're helping us put a positive spin, a positive perspective on this. Hey, down we know down in Texas, the southern part of the country, we're, we are seeing some planning getting underway. What are their conditions? Well, they're a little dry right now. Central Texas is in pretty good shape down to the coastal bend. It's still very dry in south Texas, um, uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. And it looks like uh, at this point we're starting to see indications that that moisture may begin to pick up uh, next week, that we will begin to see some increase in precipitation across much of central and east Texas next week, and then potentially going forward looking for that expansion of moisture back to the west. But, you know, in this type of a pattern, Mike, that we've seen before, the last areas to get any beneficial moisture um, in this sort of a wet pattern is usually West Texas. Uh, sometimes they can be an outlier and not get much moisture at all uh, while everyone else is wet. So, you know, that's the area to keep an eye on. They're 100% short on their soil moisture right now, and uh, that clearly is not going to change over at least the next week to 10 days. So that wheat crop's a real problem, but too early to get concerned about the cotton crop out there as they really don't start planting for another uh you know couple of months all right mike thanks for being with us this week we appreciate it you're welcome mike dtm meteorologist mike palmerino so especially in the midwest sounds like uh, patience is the word it's going to be a while yet before things really clear up uh, i've noticed a lot of uh anhydrous tanks uh moving around in the midwest but uh, the planters yeah still in the shed as we wait for more spring-like weather and as mike pomerino just said it may be a while yet uh, before that uh, happens all right coming up next what's going on with equipment sales we're going to talk with kurt blades with the association of equipment manufacturers where we're at right now what they're projecting ahead for this year and the impact that tariffs could have that's coming up next on aoa adams on agriculture Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. MyPillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Time for a market check on Adams on Agriculture. From the American Ag Network, I'm Rusty Halverson. Rain fell on Argentina's corn and soybean fields over the weekend, and that rainfall boosting some concerns that prices may be getting a little overheated. On the positive side for corn on this Monday, USDA saying that 206,000 tons of corn sold to Japan, another 115,000 tons to unknown destinations. On the charts, May corn fell for the third consecutive session on Friday. Entering Monday on the downside, we saw chart support at 378. We have penetrated that level an hour into the trading day. May corn at 376 and a quarter, down six and a half. New crop December down five and a half, three ninety-eight and a quarter. May soybeans seeing nearby support at ten twenty-seven, resistance at ten fifty-four. 
hovering around 1030 and a quarter, down 19 and a quarter, an hour into the trading day. In the wheats, we are 19 to 24 cents lower in Kansas City. A mix of rain and snow seen on the radar maps on this Monday. Chicago wheat, 12 to 13 cents lower. Minneapolis spring wheat, 7 to nearly 10 cents lower. For livestock at the Merck, as we begin this new trading week, live cattle futures are 55 to 70 cents lower. Feeder cattle, 55 to 67 cents lower. Cash cattle trade activity on this Monday, probably limited to just the distribution of new show lists. Initial asking prices should be around 129 on a live basis in the south, 207 plus on a dress basis in the north. Lean hog futures, $1.10 to $1.95 lower. Cash call, steady to a dollar lower on this Monday. The Dow down 207 points. April crude oil down 28 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Looking at the February Ag Tractor and Combine reports released by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, we see the total February sales of self-propelled combines in the U.S. rose 34% from February of last year, while U.S. sales of four-wheel drive tractors increased 9%. Now, sales of two-wheel drive tractors declined to 10% in February compared to a year earlier. But overall, some looks like some positive numbers there. Let's talk about it with our friend, the Senior Vice President for Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, Kurt Blades. Kurt, welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Good to talk with you. Good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. So... How do we look at these numbers? I know it's early in the year and uh, just a snapshot, but considering the ag economy and where grain prices have been and are, uh, when we see those uh, increases in sales, that has to be somewhat encouraging, isn't it? Well, we were we were uh, we ended the year of seventeen on a pretty positive note after start two thousand seventeen. And then the January numbers came out, and they, they were showing kind of a continuation of the trends. Now, we do see some softening with these February numbers, um, just a little bit off of, off of uh, you know, some of that uptick that we were, we were starting to enjoy at the end of 17. So, I, you know, to your point, Mike, yeah, commodity prices aren't great. In fact, I was listening to you guys on the, uh, the report over the uh, – uh, while, while you're waiting to have me on here, and everything was negative. Everything was down. So it's, it's – you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, – um, you know, angst out there in, in farm communities. So I guess we're we're thrilled that, uh, that the numbers are holding where they are, and we're pretty optimistic that uh, that we'll see some continue to see some relief with the tax uh, with the tax plan. Maybe some of that begins to uh, to shake some sales loose, as well as uh, uh, some of the other things that are that are happening in the marketplace, where just machine you know it's, it's time to replace machines when it comes time for planting. So we're we're optimistic that the uh, that the momentum will continue, or certainly will, uh, uh, you know, continue to remain on the positive side, but it's caution, certainly proceeding with caution. And perhaps a, a wrinkle in there that uh, I'm sure is causing you concern: the Trump administration's uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum. How do you see that impacting uh, equipment sales? Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. We're uh, we as Association of Equipment Manufacturers have been pretty vocal about our opposition to uh, President Trump's 
uh, proposed uh, or steel tariffs and steel and aluminum tariffs. In fact, I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. We had uh, several of our uh, executives and machinery companies on the Hill last week meeting with elected officials from the, you know, Speaker Ryan to uh, Secretary of Agriculture Purdue. Uh, this week is National Ag Day, and, and we'll be continuing on with some of those efforts to talk about how, you know, obviously a steel tariff is bad immediately for the manufacturers of equipment that, that could see a, a raise in the price of their uh, raw materials. But then the, the trickle-down really has a, a, a double whammy on farmers is, you know, number one, it, it's, you know, an increase in the cost of the, of the goods that they're wanting to purchase, but really more important, and this is where we're just, you know, just baffled by, is uh, the, the potential for a trade war. In fact, if you look at those, you know, most of those commodity features, I would venture to guess that that is uh, probably the number one deciding factor as to why all of those futures are, are a little bit low, is sort of that, that looming unknown of what could happen if, uh, if we spike a trade war with with uh, with another country, so which would you think be the bigger concern the the negative impact potentially on sales uh, or just the you know the cost increase in uh, in the goods for making the equipment? Well, I mean the cost of increase for for making the making the equipment, I mean obviously that hurts in a big way and it hurts. It hurts more for manufacturers, say grain bins like GSI mm-hmm. or Sukup, uh, but it hurts, you know, hurts all the manufacturers that are purchasing steel in in general. Uh, and, and as you know, you know, they, we've had steel tariffs steel tariffs before, and you know, we work, we sort of work those things through the market, but it's never it's never a good thing. The bigger concern, in my opinion, as it relates to farmers, is the potential for a for a trade war, knowing that. That a good chunk of our soybeans are sold overseas, um, and, and we know that our our competitive markets around the world are are investing more and more heavily in their infrastructure to to become a little bit more competitive. So we can't afford to uh, to lose any of those markets or to, uh, to, to 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 not have continue to have good trade relationships with where we sell our grains. Yeah, it's all tied together. That's for sure. We're talking it with the uh, senior is. vice president. Yeah, Senior Vice President for Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, Kurt Blades. Kurt, let's take a look at some of the other markets uh, where you sell equipment. Uh, let's look to, to Canada. Canada so much in the news right now with NAFTA, uh, and we're waiting to see how all that's going to play out. Of course, we know about the exemptions, the carve-outs uh, on these tariffs for Canada and Mexico. But what are you seeing as far as uh, uh, equipment sales in Canada? Well, equipment sales in Canada have continued to be strong. They were strong throughout 2018, or throughout 2017. Really, a pretty early indicator of what that market's going to look like in uh, in the U.S. And I'll tell you, as you look at this February report for uh, for for tractors and combine sales, it continues to be strong. And so our manufacturers are pretty excited about what the Canadian market holds. I mean, to speculate what happens with NAFTA, you know, we're big supporters of NAFTA. We're big supporters of trade. So uh, you know, I, I think there's a whole lot of unknown that we can't necessarily predict what that, what impact that's going to have on the on the uh, intricacies of the machinery market. But we can say that the Canadian tractor market, the Canadian combine market, have been strong for about a year, year and a half, and we don't see any reasons why those are going to change. Kurt, do you see any signs of pent up demand? I mean, farmers have kind of held off uh, the. For a while now, and maybe making those uh, new equipment purchases, do you see uh, you get just getting the point where you know it, it's time for them to to make the change, make an upgrade, go get another piece of equipment? Do you see that kind of building or not? I absolutely. I think, in fact, I think that is that is precisely you know the little blip and, and uh, a change in the market direction that we saw at the end of the year was a a direct result of that replacement market. I mean, at some point. Tractors just simply have to re- be replaced based on the economics of your farm. If you're set up to run new equipment and you decided to run it one year longer just because the prices weren't right, at two years you're kind of having to make that decision. So I think we're kind of in that replacement market, uh, which, you know, when you say, when you talk about it being a more stable market, a more stable recovery, that certainly is, is, is true. And if you couple that with, you know, some, some positive changes on the tax side, we were pretty optimistic right after the right after uh, 
the first of the year, January through February, up until the steel tariff thing came out. Uh, you know, we were kind of thinking, hey, this is this replacement market's going to look strong. The tax market is in favor of things. We thought it was going to look pretty positive. And if we can get this this uh, steel thing worked out, if we can get trade, you know, sort of momentum in the right direction, I think we're up for a for a really strong finish of 2018. But there's certainly some unknowns. I mentioned these numbers earlier, but I find it interesting. Um, U.S. sales of four-wheel drive tractors increased 9%. Sales of two-wheel drive tractors declined 10% in February. What do you make of those numbers? Well, there's a lot of things that come into those broad definitions, Mike. Uh, chief among those are the size classes. You know, AEM tracks the, uh, the sales in three classes for two-wheel drive. So that's under 40 horsepower, 40 to 100, and, and uh, 100 and above. And for the last year, year and a half, we've seen that small horsepower tractor market absolutely on fire, under 40 horsepower. And you know, as you all know, that's a that's kind of ends up being a little bit more of a consumer market, or certainly is a market mm-hmm. that is less uh, uh, dependent on the commodity prices. So that includes folks that are, you know, buying tractors for. Uh, for landscaping or buying tractors simply because they need a small utility tractor. It's less of a considered purchase than, say, a, a high-horsepower uh, two-wheel drive tractor or a, an articulated four-wheel drive tractor or even a combine. So when we look at, at you know, overall, when we look at, at the commodity prices, yeah, tractors and combine sales absolutely mimic farm income, but it is almost a one-to-one for the uh, uh, high-horsepower and for articulated four-wheel drives and for combines. And that's directly related to the price of corn and soybeans. Yeah, that. But that smaller tractor market has been a good one for you, hasn't? It? I mean, there's been it, there's been so much growth in that market. It has been, and we love it. But we did see some softening of that just a little bit in February. And I, you know, I can't point to one particular factor as to why that was a little bit soft, other than maybe it's just it, 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 it's sort of lose, losing maybe just a little bit of steam based on other market factors. But again, if you talk about a, a market that could potentially benefit big time from a tax reform, I think we will see that we'll see that play out in in you know March and April reports in a pretty strong way. When folks start to get their their tax returns back, or they get an indication that they're uh, they're going to be able to keep a little bit more of their money, I think we'll see a lot of that uh, a lot of those those small horsepower tractors turn around in a big way. So many factors that impact these uh, these sales, these purchases, and it's too soon to tell what 2018 is going to be like. Uh, but right now, I guess, if you can get past this uh, tariff situation, you feel fairly uh, positive then, right? I, I absolutely do. But, you know, I'm an optimist, and all farmers are optimists. Or otherwise, you wouldn't put <laughs> seeds in the ground with the uh, with the faith that it's going to grow again. And I think all of us in ag kind of feel that way. And I, I certainly feel that way about the machinery market. It seems like we're lining things up to be really, really good. Uh, if a couple of things fall into yep. place, it could be extremely good. If it, if uh, uh, as long as there's no, you know, major red herrings out there, like a like a tariff or something else out there, I think we're we're gonna we're gonna hold steady or or potentially be uh, you know in the in the year on a very positive note. Well, Kurt, we'll check back in with you later in the year and see how it's going. Thanks for the update. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk soon. Take care. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President for Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. So what's the latest on the RFS? Any more White House meetings being called? We're going to talk with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. MyPillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM 
Eleven. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled-release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Lots of folks in our nation's capital this week for Ag Week activities. National Agriculture Day coming up tomorrow. All sorts of things going on. Any more meetings on the RFS? Let's find out from Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol in Washington, D.C. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good to uh, visit with you. So have you got any new meetings to tell us about at the White House? Uh, it's You know, it's it's still uh, Monday morning, so not yet, but I would expect there will be some uh, some level of 
meeting at the White House this week among players at EPA and uh, the Department of Agriculture as they try to sort out what, what it is they want to do. Um, for our part, Mike, um, my organization will have, oh, more than 60 people from around the country representing ethanol plants, representing corn growers and agriculture groups. And we plan to hit the hill um, to deliver the message that rural America cannot afford any uh, undermining of the RFS, and we intend to meet with administration officials, particularly EPA, to convey that message as well. How are you reading the tea leaves? Is this administration still trying to find some kind of middle ground that they think is going to appease both sides and probably wind up not making either side very happy? Uh, or, or what do you think uh, their plan is, or do they have one at this point on, on the RFS and RINs? I don't think they know precisely what their plan is, but my reading of the tea leaves, Mike, is that, yes, the powers that be want to do some sort of deal, and they are trying to determine what that is. I think the problem with that is that the gulf between the parties that they're trying to bridge is just so um, incredibly wide. A handful of refiners want the RFS to be reduced, or waived or capped in some way, shape, or form that will ultimately, in the short term, lead to a reduction in the price of these RIN credits. But the the ultimate goal, Mike, is really to reduce volume, to slow the growth of E15 and higher blends to protect market share. On the other side, then, you have ethanol, biodiesel producers, corn growers, other farmers, And we know that one of the many purposes of the renewable fuel standard is to make sure that the marketplace grows for ethanol and biodiesel because left to their own uh, devices, refiners simply aren't going to develop those E15 and E85 marketplaces. And so I'm I'm anxious about what this administration is, is looming toward. I think it's going to be a problem. I think it could constitute the president uh, breaking a promise he made to rural voters during the campaign to protect the RFS and to increase, not decrease, renewable fuel use. And so we're going to, um, you know, be, be pretty direct with members of Congress and the administration this week that they are they're going into the danger zone right now as far as rural America is concerned. Hmm, interesting. We're talking with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. So last week, Brian, uh, Scott Irwin from the University of Illinois does a lot of research on on ethanol, the RFS, and RENs. He basically said the administration really does not have the authority to do these things we're talking about as far as REN caps, because that changes, that opens up the RFS. Really, they do not have the authority to do that. So if they make some kind of move like that, what is the counter move, you think? What would the reaction be? Well, I think Scott Irwin is right, and his colleague at the University of Illinois, Jonathan Coppice, who actually worked on Capitol Hill, worked at USDA, knows the law really well, and they've written some good stuff. I think the result of a RIN cap, um, how we would react, I'm sorry, to like a RIN cap or some sort of RIN waiver or something that does open the RFS, ultimately this will head to court, Mike. Um, now, that won't happen this week. Let's let's just game this out. The administration announces some sort of plan this week to cap RIN prices or waive the RFS. Scott Pruitt would then have to go to work with his attorneys at EPA and write a proposed rule. That will take months. They will then put that out for public comment. That will take a matter of time. And then EPA will collect the comments from everyone and sort of decide what the final regulation would be. This often takes a year to 18 months um, when things go well. At the conclusion of that process, if they go down the road of a waiver or a cap, um, the first day that, that anyone is allowed to file a suit against that final regulation, you can be sure that the American Coalition for Ethanol and, frankly, dozens of others will be filing that lawsuit. Um, we were forced to take President Obama's EPA to court when they waive the RFS, and I'm really concerned that we may be heading in that same direction and have no other choice on our hands but to do that if, if that's where uh, this president wants to go. 
because it just feels like Brian, that's where they're headed. They're 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 go- they're seem to be bound to determine they're going to try to give something to the oil industry and and its supporters out of this. Uh, and 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 you pointed out what the risk is going to be on the other side if they do that. But it just feels like that's what they're wanting to do. It does, and it's really frustrating. Um, you think about all of the different favors that have been done for the fossil fuel sector the last 12 months. The Keystone XL and Dakota Access pipelines were approved at the federal level. Um, we backed out of the Paris Climate uh, Agreement. ANWR, portions of the Alaskan National Wildlife Re- Refuge are now open for exploration. Offshore oil drilling bans have been lifted. Um, last week, EPA forgave Philadelphia Energy Solutions, a bankrupt finery outside of Philly, of about half of their rent obligations. And Pruitt is also granting these sort of small refiner exemptions to the RFS left and right. What more do we have to give in order for the administration to finally stand up for a program the president promised to stand up for? Um, we're, We're hoping members of Congress are going to be able to get the attention of the president. Certainly, senators from Iowa have worked hard to do that. I think we need senators from other states to step up. But, yeah, if we can't head off this this uh, disaster that's looming, Mike, um, we will we will be forced with no other option but to head to court. Well, a lot on the table, a lot at stake. We'll see where it heads. Brian, thank you for the update. Thanks, Mike. Good to talk with you again. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. So that's a story we continue to watch. Ag Day tomorrow, we'll have a report from Washington, D.C. Also tomorrow, the president of the National Farmers Union, Roger Johnson, will join us. Hope you will, too, on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.